Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Please turn your Bible with me to the book of Jonah. Chapter 1. And I will read from verse 1 to verse number 17. Jonah 1, 1 to 17. And then we'll go to Matthew chapter 12. And I will read from verse 38 to 41. Jonah chapter 1, 1 to 17. He reads, and I quote. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tashish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tashish. So he paid the fare. If God is not sending, you have to pay for yourself. So he paid the fare and went where? Uh, when you depart from the presence of the Lord, you are going to go down. No problem about that. He went down into it to go with who? I can't hear you. Who are the People he never met before. Because when you don't know where you are going, others will prescribe where to go to you. And when you refuse to go where you should go, you go elsewhere. Very simple. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tashish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his small letter, G God. That's the company Jonah found himself in when he departed from the presence of the Lord. And through the cargo, they bought it with their money. Threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. <laughs> but Jonah had gone down into the lowest. There's a load that is lower than the lowest. That happens to you when you depart from the presence of the Lord. 
From that moment on, you will go from evil to evil because you are in vision, you stumble in judgment. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Put your hands together for this captain. Because when others were crying, we, do not, we are not told that this captain is a pastor. We are not told that he knew God. But he knew something unusual was happening. He must have been a trained captain. He had applied everything that should be applied in the midst of storm. Rather than getting better, it was getting worse. So he started, there must be something. In the course of going around, he checked every level of the ship and went to the lowest part and saw this. You call him sleeper. I call him suicide bomber. Because for his sake, the whole ship was going to be broken into pieces and everybody would die with him. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Do you understand this question? Is, are you crazy? All that is happening around here is not affecting you? Arise! Call on your God. How did he know that the gods of the other people in the boat is different from the God of this man? He recognized a presence in him. You know you can deny Jesus, but they will still catch you, Peter, that you are speaking like him. That you have hung around him for a long time that he has robbed on you and they can smell it. The world may not read the Bible, they are reading you. You better open to the right chapter. Call upon your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, maybe join the prayer meeting this time. <laughs> and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause. Elay you, usual. This is unusual. There must be somebody here. There's a difference between Olori Buruku and Olori Kunku. Olori Buruku operates with e lock. If he steps into your boat, disaster will end. There will be no solution at all. But Olori Kunku can be punished. And God will sort him out and sort the rest in the boat out. Olori Kunku is the one who stiffens his neck while he's being rebuked. He's stubborn. Both of them are rebels. Do you understand me? Please. God sees my heart. I am not talking about any individual. I am preaching the word God gave to me. I pray none of you will be Olori Buruku. And none of you will be Olori Kunku. In the name of Jesus. There are sons in Yoruba for both of them. Olori Buruku Mama Kobami. Oh yeah, bossy what you Eponimuru ni yogi ma bate me yeah a yeah bo 
Olori buruku mama ko ba mi oya abon abot olori kunkun ala ko ba ko ba mama ko ba mi o I'm not kidding you can become guilty by association everyone in that boat it does not appear to me that this will be the first time they will travel on this sea it does not appear to me that these passengers were taking the boat for the first time in fact how many of you know that you choose what boat you go in there's nothing they can do to some people they must fly BA And others, though they are not virgins, will fly virgin. <laughs> I used to say, I fly only BA because I'm born again. And everybody accepted it. And then, BA's price skyrocketed. And Virgin Atlantic would take me to the same place for a far lesser price though not the seat I'm used to. But for six hours, I said, uh-uh, this will be wasting money. So I switched over to Virgin, and someone said, ah. but you said you fly BA because you are born again. I said, you have not read Second Corinthians chapter 11. I am a chaste virgin. <laughs> My daughter, Olufemi, said, Dad, can anybody win with you? I said, I don't know, read your Bible. <laughs> Let's read. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast laws that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast laws, and the law fell on Jonah. Question Is lost casting? Biblical way of finding out the truth. Some will say yes. Some will say no. And others in between will say I'm not sure. They're neither here nor here. If you lock two French men who are taught in politics, if you lock two Frenchmen in a room to form political parties, they will come out with three political parties. One for each one, and the other for neutral, just in case of danger. If APC is no longer working, we jump on this. If PDP is not working, we jump on that. That has been the jumping exercise going on in Nigeria for a long time. Casting lots may not be the Holy Spirit way of directing his own, but God will reach you at the level where you are. To still do what he wants to do. And some of the time, when the Onifa takes his Ikura and seeking God, but does not know God, God has a way of showing up to answer him, but he will think the Ikura has done it. And Onifa, Eloye 
eniku kodayi eyin elegun eloye ropa o eniku eyin araye elota yeshe jesu mi deibo jesu mi deibo jesu mi deibo eyin araye elota yeshe jesu mi Apologies for going back home. I'm a village boy. That's where I grew up. You understand me? I had to go and, to go to school to learn English language. I sing those songs and there are people I connect with in a way that I cannot do so with English. The Lord fell on Jonah. Moment of truth. Then they said to him, "Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? They were being civil. What is your occup- the world is not interested in your vocation. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I'm spirit filled. I'm tongue talking. That's your vocation. I'm a apostle. That's your vocation. What are you occupied with?" That will sustain you and sustain your family. When the brothers of Joseph showed up in Egypt, he took them aside to coach them. He said, I'm going to present you before Pharaoh. He will ask you only one question. What is your occupation? They asked him here, what is your occupation? Listen. And where do you come from? What is your country? <laughs> and what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. If your God made the sea and the dry land, why is he troubling us? Because if he made the sea and the dry land, he should not trouble us. We'll find out. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them, your sin will find you out. You understand me? Keep on hiding it. Keep on <laughs> covering up. And keep on wearing nice clothes to cover certain niceties or complexities of your life. But it has a way of finding you out. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may become for us? Your God we cannot see. You are the cause of the trouble. Now you tell us what do we do to you so that we can have a calm or calm sea. For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Did the men do it? No. You know, when I get to the place, I will show you that this type of people, when they get into your boat, they will take you down. That this type of people, when they get into your boat, They will make you feel guilty. 
Why didn't he jump by himself? And he was a cousin. Why did he not just jump into the sea? Why just carry me and throw me? And the people said, We should be the one to carry you. So they decided to try and 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 steer the boat one way or the other. Look at it. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Why do they call him innocent? Because he didn't sin against them, he sinned against God. They've not been to any church, but they know to kill another person is crime. So do not lay his blood upon us. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from his raging. May the raging sea in your life cease today. In the mighty name of Jesus. May the raging sea in your home cease today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and did what? Offered a sacrifice to the Lord and did what? And took vows. What kind of vow? Lord, it will land safely. You are the one who shall. Lord, you know people who make promises when they are in trouble. Okay. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 38 to 41. All truth is parallel. Matthew chapter 12. 38 to 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered. Saying. Teacher. We want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them. An evil and adulterous generation. See, I don't have to say this because there are people watching every word I speak. But the truth is, sometimes the response you get from a man is as a result of your behavior or the question you ask. Let me read again verse number 38. Please pay attention. Then some of who? The scratch. And those were the elites of that society. Pardon my use of the word common. They were not common men. They were the elites of the day. They stood before Jesus and he called them evil and adulterous generation. Let's read. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. The subject of our contemplation this morning is the sign of Jonah the prophet. The sign of Jonah the prophet. In this message and through this message, we are going to learn three major things. Number one, the rudiments of institution building. The rudiments of institution building and by extension, the rudiments of nation building. This is to prepare us for next Sunday and the upper Sunday when we will forever not join those who play church but build a solid institution that will give direction to our nation and the nations of the earth. Can I hear amen? amen? The rudiments of institution building and by extension nation building. Number two, we'll learn how to deploy our bounce back DNA. How to deploy our bounce back DNA Regardless of the affliction, temptation, trial, setbacks, we are going to bounce back every time. Can I hear amen? Amen. And finally, number three, we're going to learn how to claim back every territory lost to the devil or stolen by him. We are going to claim back every territory lost to the devil or stolen by him. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people said, Amen. Let me begin with a question like the Lord would do. What do you understand by the sign of Jonah the prophet? What do you understand by the sign of Jonah the prophet? The answer is not far-fetched. It is recorded in the passage just read from the book of Jonah. The sign of Jonah the prophet relates to the rebellion of Jonah that attracted a commensurate punishment from God. The sign of Jonah, the prophet, has to do with the rebellion of Jonah and the commensurate punishment from God who ensured that Jonah was thrown into the sea where a big fish positioned by God swallowed him alive. Do you get it thus far? Are we on the same page? Are you following me? In his mercy, I'm going further than his rebellion now. In his mercy, God kept Jonah alive inside the great fish for three days and three nights until he repented. And then God commanded the fish to vomit him 
into his place of assignment that he was running away from, namely Nineveh. Chapter 2 of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of hell. When you depart from the presence of the Lord, instantly you enter into the belly of hell. It's not hell the place. It's hell the experience. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, all your billows and your waves passed over me. That was before he entered the fish Or you think it's automatic. When they drop you, you just enter straight. No. Before you get to where the fish is, oh. <laughs> okay. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple from the belly of the fish. Huh? Do you understand me? If you don't worship God, you will serve other gods that will afflict you. Do you understand me? The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep clothes around me, weeds were wrapped around my head instead of crowns. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. What does he say in King James Version? Those who observe lying vanities. Those who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Hello. I said the Lord spoke to the fish. Fish can understand God's command. How about you? The fish did not argue with God. The fish did not go elsewhere. Why do animals behave better than men? Or you think that's far-fetched? Balaam and his donkey? The raven and the widow? The ravens brought food to the prophet twice daily. When he got to the widow, complained and murmuring, and I can't do this, I can't do that. Peter argued with Jesus. I'll never betray you. I'll follow you even to death. He said, before the call crows once, you deny me thrice. He denied thrice because he was relying on his flesh. But the cock will be, end of story. That's why I don't eat chicken. He got apostles into trouble. <laughs> That's a joke, because you will take it out of, out of context. And I say, you know, the man does not eat chicken. I do. <laughs> but it has to be prepared in a particular way. Uh-huh. So the Lord spoke to the fish. And he vomited Jonah onto dry land. Onto dry land where? Chapter 3. <laughs> Chapter 3. Thank you, Jonah. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, 
Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. You had your own message that made you flee. He would later complain. He said, this is what I knew when you asked me to go. I know you are a merciful God. I know I will go and prophesy now. And then you will show them mercy. And then I will look like a liar. That's why I did not go. He said, stop all the nonsense and the arguments in your mind. Cast down every wicked imagination. And preach the word that I tell you. So Jonah arose. And went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three-day journey in extent. Do you understand this? It would take three days to cover Nineveh. It's a great city. Let's see what happened to the prophet. And Jonah began to enter this city on the first day's walk. Do you understand this? The man who was who ran in another direction now got up and he. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Listen, God has a sense of humor. Read Bible history, read commentaries. You'll find out that the people of Nineveh worship the fish god. Just as he answered them with lots in the boat. He wanted to capture them or catch them in their own. You can imagine them, those around the sea, when the big great fish came and vomited Jonah. And Jonah said, in 40 days, they say, our God has spoken. People of God, there is more to the story that we have just read than the rebellion of Jonah. For in the second passage we read in Matthew, chapter 12, 38 to 41, Jesus responded to an evil and an adulterous generation that asked him for a sign that he could only give them one sign. The sign of Jonah the prophet shall we unravel this that just as Jonah was thrown into the sea and found himself in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights because of his rebellion hello please pay attention what led to the tempestuous or to the tempest at the sea is rebellion. What happened to him? They threw him into the sea. God positioned a fish to swallow him up. All because of his rebellion. Now Jesus now said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights because of his rebellion, so will the Son of Man be in the heart, in the heart. Hello, in the heart. If your heart stops, you are dead. If your heart attacks you, you have attacked yourself. Do you understand me? In the heart of the earth for three days 
and three nights because of his obedience. Or was Jesus rebellious? What kind of sign is this? Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so with the Son of Man being the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And then he went further. The men of Nineveh will rise and condemn this generation because they repented. And the preaching of Jonah. But no matter what they tell you, you are still not going to repent. To the superficial onlooker, this sign is not fair. Or how can the obedient suffer the same faith or similar faith as rebellious? If you focus on the fairness or the unfairness of this story, you will completely miss the point. Can I proceed? Are you still waiting? You know I'm a master of suspense. I learned it from the master. The parallel Jesus drew here is very simple. He knew he would die. He knew he came for that purpose. However, he was passing a coded message to those who asked him for a sign. He wanted them to realize and to know and come to the understanding that all their schemes and their plotting to kill him will only advance God's redemptive plan for humanity. What do I mean by that? That if God kept rebellious Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights just to show mercy to the people of Nineveh, I, Jesus, obey my Father, will not die in the belly of the earth. Because of God's mercy for humanity is going to keep me while you are sealing my tomb. While you are rolling mountain to block me, it will keep me alive in the heart of the earth to undo the damage done by Adam. But they did not understand damage, did they understand? This brings me to some important truths that all soul winners must have at their fingertips regarding the dual purpose of Jesus' manifestation. There are two major reasons why Jesus, the Word, became flesh. Two major reasons. Number one, he manifested in the flesh to take away our sins and there is no sin in him at all. And number two, he manifested in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. 
Those were the two major reasons the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It manifested to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. And it manifested to destroy the works of the devil. First John chapter 3, please pay attention. Many people know the second, they don't know the first. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, uh, the works of the devil will perpetuate if it does not take away your sin first. Because sin is the bait of Satan to gain access into your life. First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. He reads, and I quote, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous and he who sins of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The dual purpose of his manifestation. Number one, to take away our sins and there's no sin in him. And number two, to destroy the works of the devil. It is clear from this passage that sin is a bait. That Satan uses to bring his works into our lives. So if our sin is taken away, the access point of Satan into our lives is blocked. And we will no longer be his prey. Do you accept that? I can't hear you. You do not believe Jesus took away your sins? He did? You do not believe that he nailed all the ordinances against you to the cross? Do you know when there was no sin, there's no sickness? When there was no sickness, there was no death, there was no disease. And so if sin is taken away, sickness has no place in your life. Disease has no place in your life. Death has no place in your life. That's why in Romans it says, sin shall have no dominion over you. Because the access point to Satan and all his works is sin. The Lord fully paid for our sin on the cross and within three days. How many days did Jonah stay in the belly of the fish? As he was in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights, and God kept him alive. So God kept Jesus alive in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights for another two reasons. Number one, for him to go preach to the spirits that have been held captive since the flood. So you'll be Lord of the living and the dead. Those who died during the flood and the spirits of them that were locked in the earth, he went down into the heart of the earth 
to preach to them who are in prison. And then he left the place to do a second thing. He went to hell to take the key of hell. And he went to death to take the key of death. So that Satan will have no key to his own kingdom. First Peter chapter 3. Jesus gained access to the spirits of men that were held captive in prison since the time of the flood, that he might preach to them. First Peter chapter 3, 18 to 22. First Peter 3, 18 to 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death where? In the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long sovereign waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through the water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers haven't been made subject to him. What is being said here is the flood destroyed the planet. And if you are going to belong to him, you also must experience it. It's called baptism. For your sins, you are flooded. You are buried in baptism and raised to a newness of life so that you do not serve sin anymore. You serve the living God. So the first thing that happened in those three days of burial uh, between death, burial, and resurrection was that the one who was manifested to take away our sins went to the spirits who were in captivity in the, from the time of the long suffering of God in the days of Noah to preach to them that are in captivity. So when you see, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. (laughs) Number two, he collected the keys of hell from hell and the keys of death from death. Hell is a place. Hell is a spirit. Hell is an experience. In Revelation chapter 6, you see two spirits upon dark horses riding them. One is hell, the other is death. They didn't know what befell them. We are asked they have positioned soldiers to guard and to seal his tomb so that his disciples will not come and steal him in the night. And the soldiers were armed and, and watching. But Jesus was wrecking havoc. In the kingdom of Satan. When he showed up. I said yes. Said, Give me your key. That's it. You don't know I'm alive. The day you tasted me is the day you die. The day death swallowed life was the day death died. Give me the key. He took the keys from hell. And took the keys from. And said. Your prison door is open. In the name of Jesus. You are going to see a mighty revival in this land. 
Because we have fastened the prison door open. In the mighty name of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That was the one putting his head in his bosom. <laughs> you understand? This is John the beloved. Anytime they were having dinner, he would put his head in his bosom. When he saw the real Jesus in his glory, he said, I fell down as dead. He would have lived more your day. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive. Oh, I don't. I was he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive. Forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. If the key of hell is no longer in the hand of hell, it has no key to lock you in. If the key of death is no longer in the hand of death, it has no key to lock you in. I want you to rise on your feet and say, Hell, death, minus me. In the next, minus me. I'm anointed. I'm appointed. I'm no fool for the devil. In the name of Jesus. We are coming against your kingdom. We are populating heaven. We are depopulating hell. We challenge you to lock your door. You cannot. Because you don't have the keys. The prison door is open. Everyone in your family, call them out this morning. Call them out of hell. Call them out of death. Those who are sick, those who are at the verge of death, call them out this morning in the name of resurrected Jesus. Because there's no, hell has no key. Death has no key to his kingdom. The prison door is open. Thank you, Father. The prison door is open this morning. Any man in this auditorium held captive by sin, the power of sin is broken. Sin shall have no dominion over you, and Satan will have no access into your life. And all rebellion cease in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, you may be seated. Now, with this background, let us now go back to the runaway prophet who departed from the presence of the Lord to Joppa. Jonah's rebellion in Joppa attracted the wrath of God against the boat. It traveled in till it was thrown into the sea. Many people in the world go through economic crisis and upheavers because of the Jonah in their boats. And like I said before, when Jonah enters your boat, except you throw him out, he will bring you down. And it will make you feel guilty 
for throwing him out. He said, my God will be at peace if you carry me and throw me out. Jonah, jump into the sea yourself. Why do you want me to do it for you? Three things. If Jonah steps into your boat, if you don't throw him out, he'll bring you down. Number two, it will make you feel guilty. And finally, number three, no matter how hard you try, you can't get back to the land anymore. You are stuck in the midst of storm. A perpetual storm until the right thing is done. But at the end of this story, something good came out, not only to Jonah, but to everyone in the boat. Uh, this is the sign of the prophet Jonah. The end of the story, something good happened to both Jonah and to those who were with him in the boat. Pay attention. For Jonah, God made a special provision. The first divine submarine that transported him long before there was any navy. (laughs) The first submarine carried Jonah to a specific place of assignment. I pray the Father that this message today will catapult you into your destiny. In the mighty name of Jesus. That all confusion and ambiguity will come to an end in your life. In the name of Jesus. That you will not have to choose between two devils. You will do what is right and who is wrong and what is wrong will leave you alone. In the mighty name of Jesus. What about those in the boat? Although they use their own hands to cast what they bought with their own money into the sea. There are prophets who are like Obazo. When they begin to operate in rebellion. But to the ungodly in the boat, even before the revival in Nineveh, God had mercy on them. When they threw Jonah in and the storm stopped, they were alarmed. Nobody asked them for an offering. They sacrificed. Nobody asked them to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord entered into their heart. And guess what? Before they stepped out of the boat, they made vows unto God. At the end, the ungodly were not left out. They feared the Lord exceedingly. And that kind of fear is not even in church today. They feared the Lord exceedingly. They cried to him, not to their gods. Offered a sacrifice to him and took a vow. Very soon. I say very soon. In Nigeria, the great wind of the Lord will hit the shape of the nation. And on that day, he will no no go no. In Jesus' mighty name. As you can see from the story, God prepared a submarine to carry Jonah to his place of assignment. Tell your neighbor, you can run. You can't hide from God. I like the way the Yoruba said, If they call your name Samuel, they say, 
A thousand, sir, cannot run from God. You can run, you cannot hide. After three days in the belly of hell, by the time the fish vomited Jonah, he had become hard-hearted. He came out belching destruction. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Was that why God sent him? He said, the great cry had come to me. That's a great city. I cannot strike except they are warned. My blows will not come except you go warn them. Go warn them and see what will happen. And he said, I'm not going there. I know you are a merciful God. I know you are a compassionate God. I will go up there now and warn them. And then they will repent and you forgive them. And then where is my own ministry? What is the proof of my prophetic ministry? If the word that I speak does not come to pass. The proof of prophetic ministry is not fulfillment of prophecies. Change lives. It's a fruit that you look at. Balaam prophesied accurately. But his prophecy ended in destruction of lives. Jonah prophesied accurately, but he produced changed lives. The fruit is, you have to, is what you have to check. If you want everything you say to come to pass, many lives will be ruined. And God is not interested in destroying sinners. Can I hear? Amen. amen. What a great opportunity Jonah had. I'm going into institution building now. What a great opportunity Jonah heard to disciple not just individuals within Nineveh, but the whole great city by taking over at least their mountains of family, government, media, and religion all at the same time. You don't get it. Family by family repented. Beginning from the family of the king. Not only that, the king himself tore his government. That's government. Not only that, they put people as couriers to publish throughout all Nineveh that no man, no beast, no one should eat or drink for the next three days in case God will relent. Chapter 3. So Jonah arose. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh, they must come from family. Not so. Or do you find anyone that's not part of family? So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Mountain of family. Then the word came to the king, mountain of government. Of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and certain ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published media throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth. And cry mightily to God, the mountain of religion. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent? 
and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. You have how many mountains there? Four. Family. Government. Media. Religion. And economy. Because nobody walked. Everyone, everything came to a standstill. He had opportunity to disciple an entire nation, a great city. But he had become hardened that it displeased him that they repented. You know, there are people waiting for you, for you to fall so that they can prove a point. Yes, we know all along. They are not, when you are making progress, when you are growing spiritually, it gives them nothing but sorrow. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it, almighty. But he displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tashish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to live than to die. Kilo day, Uncle Jonah. Why can't you stand God showing mercy to other people? Why can't you stand God promoting others beside you and apart from you? Why can't you stand it? Because your prophetic ministry is at stake. That Jonah prophesied and it did not happen. That was what engulfed him and said, look, now, this is a disgrace, national disgrace. I stood there and prophesied and they will say it did not come to pass. 1999. Many Pentecostals are becoming Pentecostals. They were saved. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But they are not discipled at all. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today. But it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. This message will continue in a subsequent episode. I pray that the truth you have embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye for now.